What's Eating You? How to Keep Creepy Crawlies from Making You Sick. Welcome to the Access Health Radio Show. I'm Dr. Brian Forrest, and this week we will be discussing how to keep those biting, stinging pests from causing you health problems. Sometimes a mosquito bite can be an itchy, irritating problem, and sometimes a tick or a spider bite can be really uncomfortable. But when can these actually cause significant threats to your health, and what can you do about it? That's what we'll be discussing this week on Access Health Radio. And I'm Mike Davis. Thanks for joining us today, along with board-certified family physician, Dr. Brian Forrest. So, Dr. Forrest, creepy crawlies, what types of insects and spiders can really make you sick? Well, first of all, we have the most bothersome of all, in my opinion, mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. These transmit all sorts of diseases. I think about them sort of like little flying hypodermic needles. They can transmit brain diseases called encephalitis, malaria, and even Zika, which I know you've heard about. Mm -hmm. And you cannot change what diseases they carry, but you can do your best to avoid getting bitten. And when traveling to foreign countries, make sure that you have checked the CDC online maps showing where malaria is. The second creepy crawly we have to be concerned about are ticks. And they transmit more than a dozen diseases in our state, with Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever being the most dangerous. They can also transmit Lyme disease and a lesser-known illness called ehrlichiosis, which is that disease is actually fairly common. And then the next thing that, that we have on the list are spiders. Now, most spider bites are harmless, or if anything, they're just a nuisance irritation. Uh, but they can get infected by bacteria like staph or strep. And sometimes that needs to be treated with antibiotics. And we do have some spiders that have venom that is toxic to humans, and we'll discuss those more later in the program. And now, lastly, we're going to discuss flying insects like bees, wasps, and yellow jackets. These do not normally make most people sick when they are stung, other than some temporary pain and redness. However, some people are very allergic to stings from bees and insects uh, that we call hymenoptera. Okay, you mentioned something that uh, a moment ago that I want to go back to, and that is preventing bites from mosquitoes and ticks. How do we go about doing that? Well, using repellents is one of the most effective things you can do. However, for children and some people with sensitivity to them, repellents can do more harm than good. First of all, only use something that's actually effective. Generally, this means uh, either a higher concentration repellent with DEET or a newer repellent called Picardin. And several brands have been found to work, including Deepwoods Off, Sawyer, and Cutter. And in some studies, the newer plant-derived repellents like Picardin have been shown to be at least as effective as DEET. And those are better tolerated with less side effects uh, you know, on your skin. And the odor is also uh, not as much of a human repellent. <laughs> and, and contact uh, with it has not been shown to have some of the side effects that DEET have. Personally, I would avoid DEET in all children under 12 and would only use the Picardin-based repellents for my own family. Uh, in fact, I, I bought a, a can this past weekend. I think it was 40% Picardin. Uh, but repellents can reduce bites substantially. Uh, but if you're out in a prone area, you may still get some bites. For mosquitoes, you also want to avoid certain times of the day, like dusk, when they are the most active, and stay away from areas where they may be concentrated, like bushes, thick foliage, or where there's shallow standing water. And, you know, with mosquitoes, one of the things you can help do to decrease them is to find or pour out any standing water around your house. Rain, especially as much as we've had lately, can accumulate in these small puddles of old tires, bird baths, or anything else that might hold a shallow pool of water. 
And there are products you can buy, which uh, some people call those mosquito dunks, and you can throw those into water and help prevent the breeding of mosquitoes in those uh, bodies of water. For ticks, uh, if you're in a heavily wooded area or high grass, make sure to wear light-colored clothing. And if you're wearing long pants, you can even tuck those into your socks if you're going to be in a tick-infested area for a long time. Yeah, yeah, I've done that. That's, uh, that is a good tip. Okay, it's time now for our Access Health Tip of the Week. You know, many people use insect repellents that you spray or rub on your skin, but did you know that this type of protection can be built into your clothing? Several brands of clothing that are geared for outdoors have insect repellents built into the fabric. These go by names such as Insect Shield or Bug Off. You can find them at many online or retail stores that sell outdoor gear. There are also sprays that you can apply to your own clothing, uh, which are usually permethrin-braced. Now, the permethrin sprays are not meant to be used on your skin. They're meant to be sprayed on things like shoes and, and outer clothing. Uh, it is very important, though, that you make sure you don't get any of that on your skin while it's wet. Once it's dry and on clothing, it's not really uh, that concerning. Uh, so if you're going to be out in a mosquito-infested area next time, you might want to actually wear your repellent rather than having to put it on your skin. Wow, that is neat stuff. I've got to get some of that. All right. So, Dr. Forrest, if people have questions, they want more information after the show today, uh, maybe they want to find out more about uh, these repellents that you have talked about or maybe about your practice, where can they find that information? After the show, we will have an on-demand podcast available uh, at WPTF.com. We'll also have a link to that on our landing page at AccessHealthRadio.com. If you want to learn more about our medical practice in Apex, North Carolina, you can go to ACCHealth.com, or you can call our number there at 919-363-0190. And if listeners want to send general non-emergent questions to the show, they can send those to accesshealthradio at gmail.com. All right. Thanks, Dr. Forrest. When we return from the break, we're going to be talking about more creepy crawlies, this time spiders and some diseases from ticks, what you need to know about them for this spring and summer. This is Access Health Radio. Welcome back to Access Health Radio with board-certified family physician, Dr. Brian Forrest. I'm Mike Davis, and we're talking about creepy crawlies, how you can protect yourself from getting sick, from getting bitten by something this spring and summer. We'd like to take just a moment, though, to thank those that support our program. Thanks to Marley Drug in Winston-Salem for supporting our show. They mail order generic medications directly to your home with free shipping, often at costs that are much lower than even the big box pharmacies. Check them out at MarleyDrug.com. We've talked about ticks. We've talked about mosquitoes. Uh, What about spiders? Do we have to worry about any spiders here in North Carolina that could make us sick, Dr. Forrest? Well, unfortunately, uh, black widow spiders are common in North Carolina, Mm -hmm. and they're very easy to recognize by their red hourglass on their underside. The female spiders are jet black, and they have a red hourglass uh, on the underside. So this is not visible on the males, uh, black widow spiders, uh, but these bites are very painful. Uh, they can cause pretty quickly after that some severe abdominal pain, fever, chills, uh, including cramps. And uh, these bites really can be deadly. So if you're bitten by one of those, you really need to seek attention. Um, Typically, black widow webs look very messy. 
Uh, it doesn't have that sort of organized, you know, lacy structure to it or anything like that. It more looks more like a ball of dust that's sort of floating in an area kind of thing. Uh, and they can be found in basements, uh, outdoor structures like storage buildings, wood piles, and barns. And uh, if you're bitten by one, you really should seek medical attention immediately because these bites can kill people. Uh, periodically checking and clearing structures uh, can help uh, reduce the likelihood of a nasty bite. And never, ever try to handle one of these uh, with your bare hands. Sometimes people say, oh, it's a black widow. I'm going to you know, put it in a little bug box and look at it. Mm-mm. Not a good idea to mess with these. They generally aren't going to – they don't jump off their web to come bite you. Generally, you have to accidentally get into something that they were on and, and they feel threatened kind of thing. Uh, the second type of dangerous spider in North Carolina is the brown recluse. And these spiders are very small. They're usually not found on webs. And they have a small shape of a violin on their back. Uh, their bite, and actually, unfortunately, is not normally noticed. It doesn't really hurt. Um, and so that's a bad thing because you really wish you'd know, known you'd been bitten by one. Uh, the bites can result in large ulcers and can cause destruction of the skin and surrounding tissues. And the problem is sometimes you may not know you've been bitten because you may not have any initial symptoms. Uh, so you might not notice it for several days. Uh, they're called recluse for a reason, and that's that they, they usually aren't seen. They hang out by themselves. Uh, they don't stay on webs, and they stay in secluded places. Uh, the patients that I've seen most often that have been bit by brown recluses were in their crawl space, uh, doing work in their crawl space, never saw a spider, um, and then all of a sudden they showed up with sort of a very dark black ulcer on their skin. Um, so if you see something like that, uh, on your skin, it's sort of an unexplained wound or ulcer. You want to bring that to medical attention and, you know, other spider bites can be really painful. Um, but, uh, they're not usually dangerous unless they get infected. Uh, but if you do have a bite that becomes red or painful, uh, you should see a physician to have it evaluated. Sometimes those are going to require some antibiotics to treat uh, called cellulitis, and those that can result from the bacteria getting into the wounds. And if those infections are untreated, those can be fatal. Now, Dr. Forrest, you mentioned how dangerous black widow and brown recluse uh, bites can be. What can be done for those medically? Well, for black widow bites, you need to apply something cool like a cold pack, uh, stay calm, uh, and try to bring a dead spider. Again, I don't want you to handle a live spider, but try to bring a dead spider if you can to so we can safely identify it and get to the emergency room ASAP. Um, you may start to get severe symptoms in as little as 30 minutes, and you don't want to wait until these start, especially if you don't have somebody who can drive you. Um, at the emergency room, you're going to be closely monitored, and if your breathing becomes difficult or you are at risk of death, then they actually will give you an antivenom. And for brown recluse bites, again, normally you don't know immediately when it happens because the bite's not that painful. Mm -hmm. But if you have more than a small local reaction to a bite uh, that you don't know, you know, what bit you, you want to have that evaluated by a physician. And brown recluse bites, uh, they usually cause sort of a black or a dark purple center in the middle of a blister or an ulcer. Uh, but the tissue damage that's caused by that venom uh, should really cause you to seek medical attention immediately. And, you know, with a spider bite of any type, you may get some fever and chills. But if you don't know what bit you and you have a place on your skin like we discussed, 
then antibiotics or other medications may be needed. So if you get a bite or a sting that affects your breathing, obviously you need to seek medical care immediately. This is Access Health Radio with board-certified family physician, Dr. Brian Forrest. We're talking about the creepy crawlies that uh, may bite you and have a very dangerous effect on you this week here in North Carolina. Uh, What should listeners know, Dr. Forrest, about stings from flying insects like bees? Well, generally speaking, these type of insects do not cause long-term or serious health problems in most people. Uh, Normally, if you get stung by one of them and you're not allergic, then using some antihistamines, uh, cooling the area, and making sure any stingers are removed are enough to prevent severe symptoms. You can also take anti-inflammatory medications like Aleve or Advil if you don't have a medical reason not to take those. And that can help both with pain and swelling that go along with those type stings. If you're stung by a honeybee, it is important to remove the stinger to decrease the amount of venom in the reaction. And you don't want to use tweezers or anything else that might squeeze more venom into the wound. Instead, either use a fingernail or something flat like a credit card to scrape a across the skin from the side to remove the stinger uh, because you don't want to put any pressure on that little venom sac. And in people who are allergic, the stings can be deadly because of a condition known as anaphylaxis. And this can cause people's airways to close up and make it difficult for them to breathe. So if you do have an allergic reaction and you get stung or you know you're you have an allergy and get stung, you either need to use an anaphylaxis kit, which your doctor would have prescribed for you, or immediately call 911. Even if you do use your kit and say you give yourself a shot of epinephrine, you still should receive medical attention as soon as possible to make sure that reaction is controlled. Most of the kits will have uh, an EpiPen, and they also will often have some antihistamine tablets like Benadryl or something like that in there as well. All right, Dr. Forrest. Now, you mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, we were talking about ticks. You mentioned Lyme disease, Rocky Mountain spotted fever. Of course, those, those are the big ones. Can you give us some more information about those, uh, those diseases? What should people know about them? Well, first, we need to talk about Rocky Mountain spotted fever. This is an absolutely deadly disease, and our state has more of it than most others. It is mostly transmitted by the dog tick, and symptoms can include stomach pain, fever, headache, rash, nausea, vomiting, or lack of appetite. But if you get bitten by a tick, try to remove it intact without leaving the mouth parts in. There are devices out there that you can slip under the tick called tick keys, which work well. With tweezers, you don't want to squeeze the body of the tick and should only remove it this way if you can firmly grasp the head and pull straight out. Bring that tick with you to the doctor's office so they can help identify what type it is. With Rocky Mountain spotted fever, the thing that might surprise listeners is that most people do not actually get the spotted rash. So you cannot rely on that to determine if you have it or not. Also, because it's so deadly, if you have any of those mentioned symptoms and you've been bitten by a tick in North Carolina, most physicians will go ahead and put you on an antibiotic called doxycycline. This is an antibiotic that treats almost all the tick diseases, and it can be life-saving if given early. You also do not want to wait on testing before treating a possible Rocky Mountain spotted fever. By the time you get the test results, it might be too late. And I I actually know of a case in North Carolina where that happened, Mm. where a physician called to notify the family that the Rocky Mountain spotted fever test came back positive, and the physician was notified the patient had expired. 
Wow. So if you have a tick bite and you have any of those symptoms we mentioned, you definitely want to get uh, checked out by a physician. Mm-hmm. Uh, another common disease in North Carolina is called Lyme disease. Uh, there's a lot of inaccurate information about Lyme disease out in the public and particularly on the Internet. The truth is Lyme disease does occur in North Carolina, but it's much, much less frequently than in the Northeast. Often patients will come in and say they've been bitten by a tick and want to be tested for Lyme disease. In all my years, I think 18 years now of practice in Apex, uh, we've never had a single one of those tests come back positive for Lyme disease. We have known people that used to live in the Northeast that have tested positive from a past exposure, but not those who just got bitten recently in North Carolina. So in most cases, you do not need a Lyme disease test unless you're from one of the areas that have many of the deer ticks that carry Lyme disease. Also, many people think they have active Lyme disease infection for years after being treated. That is a very common myth. But if you're actually exposed to Lyme disease and take a 10-day course of doxycycline, most people completely resolve the disease and have no long-term complications. And infections that are not treated or treated very late, they can result in long-lasting effects, even if the actual infection is long gone. And lastly, diseases from ticks that nobody ever really talks about is ehrlichiosis. But it's one of the most common ones in North Carolina. It's much more common than Lyme disease or Rocky Mountain spotted fever, but it's much milder. And so it's not, it's not generally dangerous. And it gives people more flu-like symptoms. And often they will just think they call it some viral bug or something like that. So what I'd like listeners to remember is if they get bitten by a tick and they have any symptoms associated with it, they really should see a healthcare provider and strongly consider treatment with doxycycline because that can prevent and treat Rocky Mountain spotted fever, Lyme disease, and ehrlichiosis. All right, Dr. Forrest, after the break, we're going to go over other things you can do to help the creepy crawlies from getting the best of you, and we'll have our Access Health Radio's Trivia of the Week. Welcome back to Access Health Radio with board-certified family physician, Dr. Brian Forrest. Uh, We're talking about uh, creepy crawlies and their bites today. Uh, Dr. Forrest, when people are exposed for long periods outdoors, are there other things that they can do to avoid being bitten or stung? If you're camping, hiking, or temporarily living in an area where you're going to be constantly exposed to insects and spiders, then there are some more drastic measures you can take. First, even in hot climate, uh, sometimes long sleeves and long pets are better. Uh, they make clothing now out of that's uh, made out of a strong, thin nylon layer uh, that can keep you cool in the heat, but it also can keep bugs off. Uh, remember, too, that uh, most of those type clothes will have insect repellents built right in. Second, you can coat your tent with one of the repellent sprays that is permethrin-based. Just remember, you never want to get permethrin directly on the skin. Lastly is netting, and netting can be particularly useful in mosquito-prone areas, and it's really a must-have if you're in a malaria endemic area. Uh, If you're traveling to another country, you can always check with the CDC website and see if you're going to be in a malaria spot. Um, or if you even need to get a preventative antibiotic before you leave. And malaria is a really deadly disease. Normally, it is not transmitted in the United States. However, if you travel to other countries, it can be a real problem. I've only ever seen one patient in the U.S. with malaria, and he was a missionary that had spent extended amount of times uh, in malaria-dense areas of Africa. Uh, And he actually did not get symptoms until over a week after he came back from Africa. So the drugs that are traditionally used to prevent and treat malaria – also can have some significant side effects, but there are some safer options you should talk with uh, your physician about if you know you're going to one of those sort of malaria hotspots. 
Thanks, Doc. It's time for our trivia of the week. Did you know that one of the most deadly creature on the planet is the mosquito? Some might think it's snakes or bears or sharks, but the truth is mosquitoes have killed more people in the world by far than any other creature. So instead of worrying about shark cages, bear spray, or snake-proof boots, keep those pesky mosquitoes off of you. They kill several million people every year. All right, Doc. That's all the time we have for this week. Our bodies have a great capacity to heal themselves, and they are created that way. As it says in Proverbs four twenty through 22, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Thanks for listening to the Access Health Show, and we look forward to you joining us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. Until then, God bless your health.